0: You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be, so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us, or visit us in person each Sunday at ten thirty a.m. and Wednesday at six thirty p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. get to brag on my wife, Lindsay, enough, so I'd like to bring her up in every conversation that I get to, that I can, you know, when you, you talk about, you talk about who you love and what you love, I can talk to you for about 10 or 15 minutes and tell you what you probably love the most, what you're most passionate about, it's going to come through in your conversation, all right? So I try to weave Jesus and my wife into all of the conversations that I get into if I possibly can. And I customarily can. <clears throat> but without her, I wouldn't be able to be the effective speaker that, that I am becoming and be able to be the, the person of, um, of mercy and, and love and compassion um, because she's modeled it in front of me. And so thank you so much for being a great example of what love looks like for me. And she's shown me what it looks like also not to give up on somebody just because they may not have it all together. That someone was, was me when we got married early on, and she, she stuck it out and um, prayed through and had heard, was convinced she heard God, and, and, uh, and it took a little while for the fruit to, to say that she was right, but, but um, she was, and so I'm as grateful as anyone for that. Oh, Jesus is amazing. Hey, Anna, can, can you stand up real quick? I've got, I've got something for you. I've got a word for you. You can hold your, You can you can have your coffee if you want just, I don't know that it'll be so good or knock, you out of your, <laughs> knock it out of your hand. <laughs> but I had a word for Joe. Um, at first, do you have pain in your in your right arm? Do you deal with any pain in, in your elbow? I thought it felt like it originated in your in your shoulder and it went down to your elbow. I feel like it's nerve pain. I feel like it was associated with some other stuff, but that. I, no, it's not nerve pain. It's not nerve pain. Okay, like tendon pl- pain. Okay, yeah, I'd got it this morning. So, there, elbow pain. Anna, I wrote it down. So sometimes, some of you may think that I'm practicing hearing God as we as we all are and modeling something. And I'll tell you that in a minute. Um, but I felt like here in a minute when we pray for love to come, that that's gonna that's all gonna be healed. Um, but first, I wanted to share with you um, something I shared with Joe on Wednesday night, and it wasn't just for him; it's for you too and um your dad who who just went to heaven, um, there was something that he left for you guys that was was far greater than um, the inheritance that most children look for and and that is stuff and money there was um there was a mantle that was released the moment that your that your father passed and, and it it spread to to you guys and and you got part of it. It was so much, the call on his life, uh, the destiny on his life was so big that it was necessary for it to be passed on to the the next generation. And it's, I can even see it like over you right now. And it's going to increase your ability to be able to to bring the reality of the kingdom. You've already been doing that, but I felt like this immediate, as soon as it came on you, just this immediate advancement um, or increase of the things that you've already been doing Um, and it was, I felt like that there's this, this sovereign increase of grace that came on your life too. Um, so see more miracles. And I'm not just talking about physical healing, um, or, or even creative miracles in the realm of the physical, but in the, in the spiritual to see more people give their lives to Jesus, to see more people set free and also the physical healing, you know, the whole, the whole body thing, holistic Christianity. And so, Father, thanks so much for what you've placed on Anna, what you've entrusted her with, uh, her family. I thank you. Um, I thank you. We honor the memory of their dad right now. We thank you that he had so much on his life that he didn't get to um, do in this lifetime, and, and I believe that's the way it's supposed to be. And so I thank you that there's, um, that this generation, that, that Anna specifically, is going to, to carry and, and pour all that she can and that she's going to pass it on um, as she goes to, but I think you it's going to be a long time before that happens. And so thank you for, we just release your love right now. Release your love into her soul. Thank you as it spreads throughout her body. We thank you for completely eradicating the pain that's in her elbow right now. Elbow be healed. Sprain, leave and be healed now in Jesus' name. we th- We thank you, Father. Yeah, just peace. Peace upon her in this time of Still processing emotion and and moving forward, and on all this, and just the grieving process, we thank you for your presence becoming so much more tangible during this time of processing pain in your presence the way that it's supposed to be processed. In Jesus' name, thanks, Lord. Check that elbow out, Anna. Tell us how it feels. Mhm. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. Usually when I go like that, stretch it always hurts. Usually when you stretch it like that, it hurts, and it doesn't hurt now. Yes, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thanks so much, Anna. Yeah. Just love you. Um, so good. And so we demonstrate that in moments like this, not to show you what the person with the microphone can do, but to actually invite you into a moment of what's available to all Christians. Because if you knew my story, you know that it wasn't because of my pedigree or because of of my education or because of, it was because of, it's because of the Holy Spirit. And when I look to the word, it shows me what's possible through Jesus' life. And then I get the privilege along with others around the world that get to model something for you on stage. Um, and it's never supposed to be modeled in a way that says, I, I do this, you watch me and be in awe, right? That's not, we're in, we're in awe of Jesus. And then we realize that, that he, he chooses to use people. And in that moment, I see somebody else do it. What it should do to me, if it's taught to me in a healthy manner, is it should excite me. Because I'm like, if God can use them, that means he can use me. And it may never be with a microphone on a stage, but the audience of one will be the most important audience that you'll ever have in your life. And so we want it to be modeled for you in here. This is training and equipping. What that means is it's an empowerment of the things of God that you were created to walk in. You were created to walk in this. I've, I've watched, we've watched so many people. For the first time, I watched a young man yesterday. For the first time, pray for someone in Ros- in Roscoe's Tacos. Right, he'd never seen a miracle before. He was hungry for miracles. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and got to coach him in praying for this this miracle. He was with another friend of ours um, from the from the Greenwood Vineyard, Elisha Hale, and uh, the young man prays for this other young man, watches his leg lengthen at least an, an inch, and um, and just was, was flabbergasted at how. I mean, both at the miracle and how easy the miracle was, right? In the middle of, you know, lunchtime in and in a restaurant. and You just don't, when when you're, when you're in love, you just don't care, right? And so we just sung that we're standing in love. And so there may be fear and other opposition that's around you, but it's not supposed to affect us if we don't let it. And so that young man didn't let it affect him. He saw the first miracle he'd ever seen in his life. He'd never seen a miracle with his own eyes let alone one that he'd prayed for. And then last night, he prays for a young lady that he was with his, you know, with Elisha and this other, uh, other friend of ours, Clay Orender, that's on staff over at the vineyard. And, um, and he prays for a young lady who had been, uh, had back pain, severe back pain for a couple of years. It may have been longer than that, but I don't want to exaggerate it. But it was at least two years. And they'd prayed for her several times and had never seen it happen. And she prayed, so she, or he prays for her, watches her leg lengthen, and her back gets completely healed. She's was healed this morning still. Back pain's completely gone. And so it was, uh, I'm like, yes, God. So it's immediate fruit. I'm like, look what, what you just did. It had nothing to do with me. You, you can do this. It, you're invited into this moment. And now you see how easy that Jesus wants to do this more than you want him to. Like, he's just that good. Like, this wasn't This wasn't my idea to have Anna stand and and see her healed, even though that's my desire. But I only have that desire because Jesus put it in me. It wasn't because I'm just a good person, right? Without Jesus, I was not even in the realm of, I wasn't even close to the good part. There's good, and there's another gray area, and then there's the black area that's like awful. And I was in there somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> but in a moment, Jesus changes all that, and then you get to participate in seeing miracles happen that impact people's lives. It's not only a miracle that you know, that reminds Anna and I and all of us of the goodness of God, that He's a good, he's a good God, He's a good father, good friend, good Lord, good king. He's <laughs> all those things in one. <laughs> he's not just one of them. He's all. He's all of them and, and more. We could add a healer into that. So Jesus is so good. Whew. All right. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy two. 2 Timothy two, verse three. I'm going to read verses three through five. I'm going to pray first, but just wanted to get you in your, either physical or di- digital. I don't. There's nobody in the room that has a physical Bible. Everybody has digital Bibles, right? I love it when my Bible fits in my pocket. I carry this with me. I carry this physical Bible with me. One, it just feels amazing. I won't tell you what this, the I won't tell you what it's made out of, just not to offend some of you. But it's just, it's just amazing. It's just Jason Avenue bought it for me. It just lays open. It's a good preaching Bible. But I, don't, I often don't read it because I read my digital Bible all the time. So, Father, thank you for your goodness being displayed here today. Thank you that you're not done. Thank you that you're never done. You're not going to be done at the end of service. You're not going to be done when I say amen to this prayer. You're not ever going to be done until Jesus comes back. And so I thank you that until then that there's going to be an increase of your miracles, your signs, your wonders, ultimately an increase of your kingdom, your love on this planet, and that we get to demonstrate that. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come as the spirit of wisdom and revelation these next few moments. Yeah, that you help us to digest whatever truth that you have for us today. I pray that it just be rapid fire truth, and that wherever it's supposed to land, it would. So I thank you for good soil in every person's heart. Yeah, thank you for anybody else that needs physically healed right now. I just release your peace upon them in Jesus' name. Hmm. Thank you, God. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. All right. Second Timothy two three through five. I'm going to read it out of the Passion translation. I love it. I love it in every translation. I love it so much that it was once tattooed on my body. It was one of the scriptures that I learned early on in Christianity. I liked it for different reasons. Then it was because it related to warfare. And I was entrenched in warfare in the wrong kind of way. It had engulfed me. It had consumed me. I had become incredibly um, warfare-focused or devil-focused Christian. My, my devil was at times bigger than my God. And that's just a, that's just a terrible place to be. Um, but it is a possibility because whatever you focus on, whatever we focus on, the biblical <laughs> principle of magnification, that, that thing will get bigger. So whatever I focus, remember this pertains to every area of life, not just the devil. Whatever I focus on the most will we'll get bigger. If I worry more than I rest in his presence, it will consume me. If I, I focus on fear more than I focus on him, on love, it, it will consume me. If, whatever I focus on will, will consume me. So that can be both good and, and bad. And so that had consumed me, but now I look at this from a, from a different perspective, and we're learning healthy, we're learning healthy warfare, because the enemy is still, still active and real, but he's been disarmed, according to Colossians 2:15, it says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers at the cross, making an open display over them, or triumphing over them through the cross. Like he stripped the enemy of all authority. And so the only authority that he has in my life now is the authority that I give him. Now, he's running rampant on people that don't know Jesus or or even Christians that don't know who they are. But that doesn't mean he's supposed to be. (laughs) And so we're learning healthy warfare. And when necessary, we're we're learning through our authority that we get the privilege of walking in as sons and daughters. We, We get the privilege of putting him back in his place when it's necessary. Okay. So second Second Timothy three through moving on. Second Timothy. <laughs> it, it was all it was I, I wanna almost say that you, you weren't as excited about that as I thought you were. Or or maybe or, or maybe there there wasn't as great a belief in the room as as there maybe should be about that particular topic. Right? Do, I, I hope I hope we know that and I mean this in all kindness and love and sincerity that we have the authority to put the enemy back in his place. It's not out of arrogance or pride that I say that. It's because it's what Jesus paid for us to do. Jesus paid with his life, not only for me to go to heaven, but for me and you and the rest of the body of Christ to show them what Jesus looks like on the earth and to take back every bit of land that the enemy is trespassing on. Every country, every region every city block, every family, every person. That's what we're, that's what we're created to do. We're seeing it and we're seeing it happen. Like I've got some friends that moved down to, to one in particular and another one that's, that's moving down there. There's actually, there's, I'm sorry, two families that I know of uh, that have moved down to 10th of Rule. And, and now... After being there, they just told me on Saturday night, just after being there for, I don't know how long they've been down there. We've went out on the streets and seen gangbangers, you know, come to Jesus and other people encounter him and get healed. And, and and they're they're out there actively all the time pursuing people with love. And now kids are actually playing outside. Like you may not think that's a big deal because your kids can play where, where, where you live at. But they could not play outside because they might get shot and killed. Like, there's more shootings down there than anywhere else in our region. And that's changing. Like, anywhere else in the city of Minneapolis, there was more murders down there. They were dropping off new FBI agents, rookies, down there for 24 hours at night without anything. Just the, what they had on them physically to see if they could make it as a, as a crash course seeing to see if they were, they were made to be in the FBI. That's how bad it was. <laughs> and a few families moved down there and a handful of Christians realized the authority that they have. And, and then they're like, we're going to use it for what Jesus wants it used for. To show people that they're, you know, because people are just living in fear. We weren't created to live in fear. That's why the, what fear does to the body and how it doesn't allow it to function properly, and it causes sickness and, and disease and pain, and all those things that that it does to the the physical body. It shows that the human body wasn't created to live in fear. Second Timothy two, three through five. I want to talk to you about a a, a topic that's come. N- back up into my, my, uh, mind. Um, God's reminding me of it. I preached this message, not this way, but I can't preach the same message twice the same way. But, um, early on in my Christianity and I realized that every time I preached it, he was actually, I should have been sitting on the front row listening to it (laughs) as much as I should have been speaking it. And, um, it's about distractions. And I talked about it a little bit on, on, on Wednesday night. And, um, because John 10, 10 says that the devil comes to kill, kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give life and give it more abundantly. And so a lot of times we're looking for, for the devil to come in some, some extravagant, like he's going to cause me to be in some car wreck or put, me, put some crazy disease on me or, you know, like destroy all my finances or, oh, it's going to be like a Job-like moment and where, you know where, where everybody dies and I just don't know what to do. But I I believe that the enemy often doesn't come like that. Those things happen to people, but a lot of times they're just it's just life. It's not I'm not giving the enemy credit for that, right? Just life is life. People get sick, right? Bad things happen to to good people. I, I, uh, blame, blame placing started in the in the Garden of Eden, and we inherited it. And when I am. <laughs> When I am prone to place blame, it shows me that I'm still living out of a nature that I wasn't created to. It points back to my old nature because it points all the way back to the fallen fallen Adam and Eve. Because there there needs to be blame somewhere. And and that's that's not the case, right? It doesn't have to be like that. And so the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I believe what he comes to kill most often or more often than not, as he comes to kill my, kill my calling, he comes to destroy my destiny, and he comes to steal my time. Because if he can get you and I so distracted that we never actually accomplish anything for the kingdom, he, may be, he can't keep us out of heaven. right? He's not going to be able to keep me out of heaven unless I totally turn my back on God and walk away from him. We don't have to all agree on that particular subject. That's okay. But if he can keep me so distracted that I never accomplish what I'm created to accomplish in the kingdom, then he is in some way one with a small w, right? Because each one of us have a calling. Each one of us have a destiny. Each one of us have the most valuable thing that we could ever have, the most, most valuable commodity we could ever have, which is time. We have a limited surplus of it. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just saying that each one of us were assigned a, a particular amount of days and you and I get to live in those days, right? And so I want to make the most of them and God's been getting my attention recently because I have been distracted at times. And so this is just as much for me as it is for you. Second Timothy 2, 3 through 5, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, overcome every form of eel as... Eel. <laughs> Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus the Anointed One. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. That's so good. An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy. So remain faithful to God. I found it interesting that he actually relates... Divorcing distraction to being faithful to God. What if I I get so distracted that it actually prohibits me from being faithful to God? Because there's different levels of faithfulness, and we become more responsible for being more faithful the more we walk with God. And so some of us don't need milk anymore. We don't need to be spoon-fed in Christianity. We're not baby Christians. And so I'm going to talk to you like you're, you're growing up, right? And so the faithfulness starts with me saying yes to Jesus. And then that faithfulness is me actually just remaining in the faith is my first level of, of faith. Me not like quitting and saying, the heck with Jesus, I'm going back to my old lifestyle. That's the first level of faith. That's a low level of faith. But when, when I first started, that was a big deal. <laughs> like for me not to go back to my former lifestyle was huge. I wasn't a little thing. And so don't think that I'm downplaying the levels of faithfulness. I'm saying that they were big at one point. But you and I right now can look back at that moment and that level of faithfulness is just a given. Right? That's just like I'm going to hang out with the people of God. I'm going to continue to be a Christian. You can't sway me from it. The most awful thing in my life could, could happen at this. Nah, we won't go there. So, <laughs> so so the next level of faithfulness would be actually me being faithful to what God has entrusted trusted me with. Like my testimony. If I don't know the Bible, I know that Jesus saved me from something. We have different levels of, uh, we have different things that we've been saved from. Don't, don't measure your testimony next to somebody else's. It's profound that Jesus saved you and I, period. Because somebody needs to hear your story. And so my level of faithfulness is actually telling others that Jesus can do for them what, what he's, he's, done, he's done for me. And I share that with people when given the opportunity. There's a, the next level of faithfulness that I see that, w- that most of us are living in right now is that we realize that we actually have a calling on our life. They realize God has a destiny for me and that, that I am to live that particular destiny out, right? And, and I know that God's giving me the Holy Spirit to operate in the things that Jesus said I could, and he demonstrated for me. It's riddled throughout the New Testament, and then I, I find out what that particular destiny is, and, then, and if I can't see it even right now, I still remain faithful to what Jesus has given me. I'm going to love the next person in front of me if it's in Roscoe Tacos or it's it's in this building or at work, wherever it's at, I'm going to be faithful to, to, to steward the love of God that He's poured out of my heart, Romans 5, 5, by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to share that with other people. There's this story, and I'll reference it. I don't have time to read it. I'd love to read you this passage out of 1 Kings chapter 13. It's an, it's an amazing passage. I read it on a Wednesday night. It's, it's one of my, my favorites for this particular topic. And um, it's the prophet with, with no name. I, it's not entitled that, but he, he just says the man of God uh, came to prophesy um, to an altar. King Jeroboam, you can read up on him at some point, and he was messing up really bad. King Jeroboam was making priests from wh- whoever he wanted to. He's like, you're a priest, you're a priest, I'm a priest, everybody gets to be a priest. And you couldn't do that, right? It had to come from the Levitical priesthood. Like, he had sinned big time against God. And so, God sends a man of God. See how he's, he's choosing to work through people. That's us. God sends a man of God to prophesy to an altar, like, I wouldn't probably want that particular assignment, but I would, I would do it if I got the privilege. Because one of the most amazing things I've ever seen uh, in, in the Bible, because of how quickly it happened. And he, he prophesies to the altar, the king is standing there burning incense. King Jeroboam is standing there burning incense at the altar, and he's not supposed to be doing that either. Right? He's like actively messing up. And he prophesies to the altar and said that the sign that will be uh, that the altar will actually split in half and the ashes from the incense will pour out on the ground. Like that will be the sign that this prophetic word that he just gave him, which was, was hardcore, would actually come to pass. And the king stretches out his hand, points at the man of God, and, and tells them to arrest him. And his hand gets stuck. Like he can't even pull it back. It's messed up. And so immediately the king... King changes his language. He's like, his mind has changed about arresting him, and he's like, "Could you please pray and see my arm healed?" He's like, "Forget all the rest of that. Could you, I just need healed now. My arm's, you know, messed up. Could you imagine that? I mean, this would be, this, this would be a bad life, right?" <sighs> <And laughs> knocking stuff off. You couldn't go in Walmart. You just, you know, you knock stuff off. You'd be inadvertently smacking people, it, it it would be bad. And so this prophet clearly has mercy, which all prophets should, and so should all Christians. And so he prays, God heals his arm. But before that happens, the this altar actually split in half and, and the ashes poured out. So actually what he prophesied happened in that moment. I mean, that's it's the fastest word i ever seen come to pass. Like it was, it was right then. I almost had a word that was that fast coming to pass in my own personal life that, that Owen Wald gave me. I'll, I'll share another time. But um, it, was, it was really quick, but it wasn't quite that quick. And it happened in this building. And so then after this, this takes place, this miracle takes place, this, this crazy, amazing prophecy takes place, and the sign that, what it, that it was true takes place, the king invites the prophet back to his house. And the prophet had already been given, which we didn't become privy to until this moment. He'd already been given instruction by God. God had told him, don't go back the same way you came. And don't eat or drink anything in that particular land that I'm sending you to. And he tells the king that. He said, even if you give me half your kingdom, I'm not going back with you. Right? Like, he's pumped. He's obedient. It happens to us, right? Like, in those moments of being spiritually high, or even our emotions are really high, and you're like, this is amazing. I will, be, I will go to the ends of the earth. I will die for you, Jesus. I will. You know all the promises we you make in worship and all this stuff. And, and I'm not saying they're not true, but I'm just saying I've woken up the next day and not really felt like <laughs> I might die for Jesus. Or even get up when he wants me to. <laughs> I won't even die to me. <laughs> I know I'm the only one in in the room right now that's ever done that, and I'm glad I'm with other people that are obedient every moment of every day, and that's why your life's encouraged me so much. And so, but it, he he's he's really pumped, and so <laughs> he goes on, and he's. He's found later after there's, a, there's a, a story within the story of an old prophet. And his kids come and tell the old prophet actually what just this, this young prophet or this younger than him prophet. Because they, they make it, they clearly define that he was older. The one that's getting ready to hear the story. And so his kids tell him about the story. And, and he says, where's he at? And, and they said, this is which way he went. And so he says, saddle my donkey. And, you know, he's obviously not worried about getting there very quickly and he gets on, he gets on his donkey and, and, and finds the, the prophet, the, the man of God that, that God had sent sitting under a a tree. And, uh, to me, that is symbolic of, of the fact that we can all get into the groove where we're just kind of spiritually sleepy, right? It's just kind of going through the, the motions of, of our, our Christianity and, 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 uh, the the all the the emotion of what what has happened the miracles that we've seen the prophecies that we've given or or the ministry that we've done or or even what Jesus has done for us uh, aren't in the forefront of our minds anymore there's something that we we don't we're not thinking about at the moment and because of that we get into this like lackadaisia type of of attitude and and um, no offense to, to anybody who lived in this particular area, but I, I sometimes reference it to almost like hippie Christianity. It's just, in, anything goes, it's all right, just God leads me wherever, you know, I go as the wind blows, and, and it's all just, right, I can do anything that I want, it doesn't matter what it looks like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's part of the culture that's it's in some of the church now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that's, that's not crept in the church. It's like kick the door in and, and just is yelling, screaming, and is celebrated. Right? And so I, I, one of my responsibilities, we just bring awareness to, to things like this. Not, uh, even though a lot of things are permissible, it doesn't mean that they're good for me. And then there are things that aren't even permissible. And you work that out with Jesus and through the Word of God. There's all kinds of them in the New Testament. It's amazing. Because when God tells me don't do something, he, he, in the New Testament, we weren't talking about the old, when he tells me don't do something, he, he's not giving me another list of rules. He's actually pointing me away from somebody I was never created to be. He's like, if this is still a part of your life, you're operating out of an old identity and you're not supposed to. And so if if you'll, say no to that, choose, because you have the power to say no to the old nature, you can actually live out of a divine destiny that's going to bring the influence and the impact in everything that I created you to. Because not only did he create you to use your words to speak to people, but he created you and I to actually be examples of his goodness and his love on the earth. So don't look at it as a list of rules. It actually is a, it's a relational, healthy thing that the Father says to us through love to keep us in a place, good thing you were sitting right there, <laughs> 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 to keep us in a place of operating out of everything that He dreamed we would be before the foundation of the world. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. All right? And so he's like, he's focused on making sure that that takes place. And so here this prophet is, looks to me like he's forgotten what's happened. And this old prophet comes and he says, hey, why don't you come back to my house and eat with me? And he says, he tells him the same thing he told the king, except for the half your kingdom part. He tells him, I can't go back the same way I came. God told me, can't go back. Can't eat or drink in this place. And then the old prophet lies to him. He says, well, an angel of the Lord told me for you to come back with me. This, this, this little rabbit trail. But this is why we tell people don't gather around gifting. Gather around godly character. Because <laughs> you'll see in just a minute that this old prophet then gets a word from the Lord. One moment he's lying, one moment he's operating out of, out of prophecy. That doesn't mean that I have godly character. It's good. Gifts don't equal character. It's just good, it's good truth, right? Yeah. I'm grateful for it. It's keeping, it's keeping me in a good place. And so, so he goes back to the house with this particular old prophet, and he's eating, he's eating drinking, just enjoying himself, and and then all of a sudden during dinner, you ever had this happen to you? So you're sitting with some Christians, and all of a sudden over dinner, he just one of them gives you a prophetic word, right? But I just have this this sense that this prophetic word may not have been in the, in the same tone that he normally spoke in. It felt like it might have been in, you know, like old school Pentecost. He got real loud, thus saith the Lord. And then he gives it to him in King James. You know, he's like, actually, probably gave it to him in Hebrew. But it, And he says that because you've been disobedient to God, you are not going to be buried with your family. He, he tells him, in short, put it in, in, in modern day language, you, you're going to die. You're not making it back home. Right? And so the man of God just continues to eat. Because you know what I mean? If you're going to die, you might as well die on a full belly. And so he continues to eat. He He, he drinks. And then he saddles up, the old prophet saddles up his donkey for him, and um, he takes off and tries to make it back home, but he doesn't make it very far because there's a lion that comes out and kills him. Clearly knocks him off of the donkey because in that same passage, it says that the lion is standing by his body, and so is the donkey as, as people are passing by. And so it's this thing of like, the lion wasn't even after the donkey, it was just after killing this particular prophet, because he had been disobedient to the word of the Lord. And so before we go any farther, let me clear up that I am not saying if you're disobedient that you're going to die. This is not that. This is not that. This is, I, I, if, if, if that were true, <laughs> I'll just use, I wouldn't be here. I'll, you all, I know you're always obedient, so I know you'd all be here, but you'd be without me. <laughs> Some of you are like, I would have died last week. <laughs> I would have died 565 times before this moment. I, I've just—I know you've been a little cheeky and a little funny, but it's just—it's—it's it's true. We're all disobedient in moments, and—and—and and, and there's grace for that. It isn't that I'm—it isn't that I'm saying that you should be disobedient or that you can be disobedient, and it's okay. I'm just saying that there's grace for those moments. Right? And, and God's... He, he wants relationship more than He wants anything. And, and the closer that I'm connected to His heart, the more natural it is for me to be obedient to Him. Right? The closer that we are connected heart to heart, I, the, it just becomes natural for me to, to be obedient to Him. And so I'm not saying that something like that would happen that was under an inferior covenant. A covenant is less than the new covenant, but I am saying this. I am saying that the distractions that are in our life, whether they're the enemy trying to distract us or whether they're just life being life, if we allow it to distract us from our calling, from our destiny, allow it to be a time suck to us and waste all of our time on things that that really don't have eternal value, then it will kill, it will kill our calling, right? We will not make the impact that we were created to make. Jesus' reward for my life will, will not be fully given to him because of the choices that I make and what I choose to do with my time. That's the reality of this thing. That's the sobering reality of this thing is that I get a choice every single day how I use my time. All right? And kingdom looks like family, and so it's doing family. It's having relationship. It's spending time with people. It is, having, it is having fun, having something that refreshes you, things that you enjoy. All right? But there are things that I still spend my time on that aren't necessarily those things that are stealing my time. Right? You ever just stared at your phone, and you're like, I don't even know why. I don't even have an app open. <laughs> like... Some of us can relate to that, right? Just I don't even know why I'm I'm looking I'm I'm scrolling over things that are pointless. I, I don't Like I Please don't take offense to this, but I, I mean I look at some of the things none of y'all, but I look at some of the things on social media. I'm like why why what why do I even want to read through this? If if let me tell you this, if if, if social media is my main form of connection, it is the lowest form of connection that, w- that you could ever have. Like, my friends on Facebook, those aren't friends. You have no relational connection. It's like having an online community. It's an oxymoron. (laughs) We're not doing life together. I can't, you can't, you can't confront me. You can't get up in my business. I can't, like, we can't, we're not having heart-to-heart connection. We're not having real intimacy. I realize that that can be (laughs) important, and I realize that that actually can be strategic to advance the kingdom. Technology was meant for a purpose, right, it is for connection. For those people, family members, friends, that you're not around, living around, then I've got all these other friends that I have never met before in my life, right? They're Facebook friends, but they're not real friends. And, then, and now you can use it for a platform to actually influence people for the kingdom, which is incredible. But then there's this other area where it becomes just, just that, a time suck, right? And so let me, let me read you this. 1 Peter 5, 6-9. through nine. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him before, before he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood, by your brotherhood in the world, by your brothers and sisters in the world. The devil walks around as a roaring lion, right? You remember 1 Kings 13. He's walking around looking for a way into our lives. And oftentimes, like I said, we're looking for this big thing coming, but he's just using the little distraction. He's just using that little thing that steals 30 minutes here, an hour there, two hours there, three hours there, right? And so... He's walking around like a roaring lion. And then it's interesting that Peter relates it to cares of this world. Like cast your cares upon him, your anxieties, your fears. You give that to him. That these things that we oftentimes worry about, I could almost say all the time, but I won't. But I will say this. I believe worry is always a distraction. Because it's not godly, nor is it part of our new nature. It's, and and when, I, when I say I'm just concerned about them, don't, don't, please don't. We know, we know the difference, those of us have been Christians long enough, right? Well, I'm just concerned. You're really worried. You're masking your worry as concern because you churched it up, right? I've done that. i churched it up, and I've masked my concern as, as, as or my worry as concern, and, and, you know, I'm just concerned for my son. Well, no, I was just worried and afraid, is the truth. And, and which does neither me nor him any good, right? Because then my prayers don't come through faith. My, my prayers come through fear. And fear doesn't move God, faith does. And so I can't pray in faith when I'm, I'm, I'm living in in fear. And so it, it distracts me. From the kingdom realm that's made available to me as a son. As a son or daughter of God that's right here, right now, that I get the privilege of living out of. But when I choose something like fear, worry, those little distractions, what it is, it's actually eliminating the opportunity for me to use the kingdom as impact in my daily life. Because this is what I believe. So we are to resist... The, the devil in distractions in the faith, resistance, right use resistance to build muscle in the gym All right just got, I can talk about the gym and feel good about it now because we were on a break for a while, but we 've got back together and i <laughs> we 're not back where we were, but we, we are we are dating again, and so i'm, I'm <laughs> I feel good about using this analogy and so they lovingly refer to me as skinny Tony now. And so, <laughs> and so resistance helps build muscle in the gym. I'm resisting, and so I'm breaking muscle down. You want to wake up sore the next day because it shows me that my muscle has been broken down so that it can be built back up stronger. It is very similar with our faith. I resist things that want my time and attention that aren't supposed to get them. You decide in your mind what that's supposed to be. You and Holy Spirit work that out. I can't work that out for you. I'm working out my own faith. So you work that out, whatever that is. My, my responsibility is to bring awareness to the topic so that Holy Spirit can point that out and say, this is a distraction, this is a distraction, this person's a distraction, this person's supposed to be in your life, this one actually isn't right now. It happens with people too, right? They can, they can I'm telling you, it does. I pray about whom I spend time with in this season, as this, this particular person. My time is the most valuable thing that I have. We're making sure I spend it with Jesus, spend it with my wife, spend it with our friends. It's, And so when I resist the things that I actually have the power to say no to, then it builds my faith muscles. So the next time it comes, it becomes easier. And then I'm not it's not so hard, because sometimes it's hard, it feels hard to make that choice to say no to that particular thing that I may want to do. My, you know what that is? That's my feelings. My emotions are a great indicator of what I believe they are, terrible master. We live in a world where you just do what you, which feels good to you, all right? And so a lot of times, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like eating salad at times right? I don't, I don't feel like always eating an avocado. I don't feel like, you know, I want to eat pie, <laughs> dark chocolate, you name it. If it's bad, I, I almost, I, I used to like it. And then we went on a 40-day fast and I resisted temptation for those 40 days to eat. That's how I became Skinny Tony. <laughs> and I'm grateful because it was both for my spiritual health and for my physical health and for my emotional health. Fasting is for everything. It it helped me to be healthier. And then I have the responsibility to maintain that. And so my feelings changed during that fast because I resisted so long the temptation of eating things that originally weren't good for me, but I could enjoy in moderation, but it wasn't always moderation. And and so after that time, I didn't even have the desire, the feeling for them anymore because those feelings had been killed. And so whose responsibility is it to kill the feelings of those particular things? It's mine. That's not a prayer that, that God is, is looking to answer. When I say, oh, I, I just want you to, he's like, I've given you what you need. Now let's, let's do this together. I'm not going to magically just, you know, zap you and this is going to be gone. I'm going to actually, I've given you the power to choose. You have authority over these things in your life, specifically your feelings. So when I don't feel like it, I do it anyway. <clears throat> I'll close with this. There's two things. I, w- I want to read this, this verse. John 14, 15. It's just a small part. I love John 14. Read the whole thing. There's a, my, one of my life, life verses. I've got a whole bunch of life verses. But one of them is John 14, 12. All right? If you believe in me, the things that I do, you will also do but greater works than these you will do because I go to the Father. I love that, right? We're still working on doing the same things Jesus did, but I'm excited about what's happening and what's to come, which is greater. Hard to fathom, but it's in the Word, so I believe it. It's even in red. It's in red, right? I I guess you can argue with the red, but I, I don't. So he says this in John 14, 15 in this conversation he's having with the disciples. He says, if you love me, obey me. Let me read another verse to couple it with this. Acts, Acts 26, 19 through 20. Paul is having a conversation with King Agrippa. It says, So King Agrippa, I do not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both those, both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. That I actually should and do works befitting repentance. means the same thing. I should actually prove my repentance through my works. If you love me, you'll obey me. Let me say this and give me time to clear it up. This is a works gospel. This is what I'm not saying. I just want to mess with you for a minute. But it's true. I don't work to get grace. I don't work to get anything that Jesus told me, or, or told me that's available for me. But I, I receive it by faith through grace, right? Ephesians 2.8. That's how I get into the kingdom. But then I begin to work from that place of rest and be obedient to what He's told me to do on a daily basis. That's what I mean by a works gospel. It is action. It is absolutely action. This Something that that Will Hart said the other day I heard, and it convicted me so much that I I couldn't even stand. I was on my face just weeping. And, And he said, when I lay my head down on the pillow every night, I should be able to tell Jesus I gave it all. I gave it all, every bit of it. I didn't have anything left every single day. I gave it all. I've obeyed you from love, not as you're my taskmaster or you're my ruler or any of those things, right? Not from a bad place, but I've given it all in every opportunity, in every moment. I've given it all. I couldn't have given any more today than what I did. I don't know about you, but I want that to be my life. I want that to be my life because there's so many times that I've laid my head on the pillow at night and I, and I could have given more. Please don't allow this to turn you towards like I got to work for Jesus. No. I work. It's my appropriate response to love. I'll never get more because of how hard I'm, I work in the kingdom. I'll never get more than the person who doesn't do anything that's accepted Jesus. right? But one thing that will happen is I will influence and impact more lives, and so it's not about me. It's not about me receiving some reward or or even the crown that I'll get to cast at Jesus' feet. It's not about that. It's about the lives that I get to impact on a daily basis. If they don't remember my name, remember who I am. I don't care as long as they they meet Jesus, as long as they fall in love with Jesus, as long as it marks them in a way that actually causes them to begin to and hopefully continue to live out of their calling and their destiny that God planned for them just like He did for all of us. If you would stand with me. I hope that as I was speaking, that the Holy Spirit was, was convicting Convicting your heart. Conviction's a beautiful thing. Please never... T- I know that some people leave churches now because they're convicted. They're like I, don't like, I don't like that. That's not for me. He was not being nice to me. It's, it's, not, it's not about being nice or, or being mean. It's, it's really about love. And so if, if somebody doesn't say it in a nice way or they're harsh, I understand that that's not right. And I'm not making excuses for people that are just rude and mean, all right? That's, that's not, that's, that shouldn't be an excuse. But I, I, I'm also not making excuses for, for somebody who tells you the truth because they love you, all right? That's why, that's why we tell the truth. That's why I surround myself with people who tell the truth to me, who won't pull punches, who won't let me have a pity party, who, you know, and feel sorry for myself. They'll actually call me up not call me out. And this is one of those things. We were were destined to change the world, every single one of us. I don't know what you believe right now, but you were created to change the world. You were created to change the world through love and power. That's it. How you do that, whatever your passion is, whatever that expression looks like, do it. It can look a lot of different ways. But you were created to do this. This beautiful, glorious gospel, you and I were created to co-labor with Jesus and bring drastic change, not, not only to lives, but, but whole regions, whole nations, to change the spiritual atmosphere. We gotta, I gotta stop thinking so small. We were, realize how much impact your life is having when you pray for one person in Kroger's. The whole spiritual atmosphere is shifting. And conducive for God to come, the re- Jesus to be revealed to people. When sometimes we, we think that it was just about this one particular person. You and I are in places to change environments. And, and God will, in turn, change that particular person's life when we step out in, in our obedience. Even in the simple things. Even in the things that look super practical. Don't pigeonhole God and think that it has to look one way. Right? So, what's wasting your time? What's, what's wasting your time? I'm doing an inventory of what's wasting my time. What's wasting your time? What's distracting you away from the calling and the destiny you have in your life? Where is the enemy destroying that? Where is the enemy sucking your time? Where are you giving over your time? Because you can't blame him. Remember, you got power over him. So, I can't say, oh, it was the devil. No. No, I chose because you're a powerful person, powerful son, powerful daughter. We chose. We take responsibility. All right? It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. Something I'd never done before, before Jesus. So I'm going to pray that as Holy Spirit comes, and, and I know he's, been remi- he's already been highlighting distractions, but that the power of those distractions would, would lose their power and that you would be able to see them for what they are, that we would be able to see them for what they are. <laughs> So that we can live fully as He created us to and impact all the lives in our city. All right? it's, a, it's a huge privilege. It's not a Sunday thing, Wednesday night thing. This is an everyday, all day gospel. I'm, I'm grateful that I am in a room with people that get that. So, Holy Spirit, come if you would please. Come, 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 Holy Spirit. Come. Break the power of distractions in Jesus' name. Not me, we. We break the power of distractions in Jesus' name. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes to the things that are destroying our, our destiny and killing our calling and stealing our time. We thank you for opening our eyes to that and that you'd help make us a people that would make the most of every moment, that we would become people who can lay down with our head on our pillow at night and say, I give it all to you, Jesus. I give it all for you, Jesus. I gave it all. Made the most of every moment. Made the most of every minute. I gave it all. I thank you for the reality of, of these things staying in the forefront of our minds and you giving us revelation of what we're supposed to do next. I thank you for strategies and blueprints even for people to, to know what to do, how to do it. I thank you helping us flex our spiritual muscles and resist those things steadfast in faith that it will get easier as the more we do it. Thank you for accountability and real relationships. We tell people around us the things that are distracting us and so that they can, can ask us. We can check in on, on one another. And that was a bad thing. That's a good thing. I hope you don't think that's bad. So I thank you, Father, for healthy family being created. I thank you for your creating healthy hearts and connecting us deeper with, with you and, and with one another. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we get to live out of this beautiful gospel. We get to live out of it, live it out. Yeah. Yeah. Just pray worry become a distant memory. That even the temptation of worry, I thank you that you remind us that we have the authority over that. That we turn our attention to faith in that moment and And focus in on your presence, focus in on your love, one of your attributes, focus in on your word, meaning you're all those things. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you for reminding us today of who we are, as powerful sons and daughters who have authority to demonstrate your love and power everywhere that we go. To demonstrate your goodness everywhere that we go. That we get to be representations of what you look like. Thank you for holiness and happiness being intertwined in our lives. Thank you for all of the amazing things we get to live out of. Yeah, I just bless what you're doing in the room right now. I pray more of your presence. More of that. More of your presence. More, 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 God. Thank you for more. Thank you for more. Thank you for helping us steward what we've already been given. Thank you. Thanks for freedom happening. Thank you. Hmm. Have the prayer team come, if you would, please. We often sing this song. This Lindy Conant. Is that how you pronounce her name? Lindy Conant. uh, Another wave. We 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 have sung it. I don't say we often sing it. We often listen to it. We talk about the wave of revival that's coming. I, I don't. I don't think that I know. There's more coming, but I, I just believe that it's already here. And I believe we don't even have to label it. All right? They didn't label it in the book of Acts. They just called it normal life. We don't have to call it something. It's just kingdom life. God's here. God's doing things. God's changing lives, and you and I get to be a part of this. Let's go out and do that this week, right? Just loving on somebody. You may. You may not be to the place where you can go out in public and pray for somebody, but you can. You can love somebody, whatever is a little bit past your comfort zone. (laughs) Listen to somebody. Tell them they're amazing. Tell them Jesus loves them. Never negate the power of, of those words, those three words, Jesus loves you. Because when it comes from a heart of love, it will have impact. Just go out and love somebody this week. Be uncomfortable in it, right? Whatever's uncomfortable for you, go out and do it this week. All right, it doesn't have to be a whole lot uncomfortable, just a little bit. We've got, we've got so much to give, so much to give. Yeah, so thanks, Jesus, for everything we have to give. Bless you guys. If you guys need prayer, please come forward. Please don't leave with, with some kind of burden or some worry or, or some kind of uh, pain you got in your body or physical infirmity or sickness. Please come pray with these amazing people want to pray for you and probably prophesy over you, encourage you. Thanks for being with us today. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.